I know what it is like to hold that pain wrapped in bark and stem. I know the folly of thinking each life is yours to save. But ours is not the soft and ingenuous flesh. Ours are the hard, white regrets left behind. I have lived through long years. I have walked ever between red and green. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, comic book muck men, bog beasts, and mud monsters. Episode 17, Legend of the Swamp Thing, Halloween Spectacular, and Empire, Avengers, issues 1 through 3. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, Comic Book Mud Men and Muck Monsters. No, no, no. Other way around. Comic Book Muck Men and Mud Monsters. This is a podcast dedicated to comic books, specifically horror comic books, more specifically horror comic books that take place in the swamp. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am a fan of this little subset of a of a niche within a genre um i i just what can i say i i like swamp monsters i like the idea of the swamp i like the idea of this you know the, this thing this place that's out there that that is really just kind of scary and unnatural and yet it's one of the most natural things in the world when i say unnatural it's basically the opposite the most opposite you can probably get to where i'm sitting at right here in my room there is a lot of hard surfaces in here there is protection from the elements and it's very very uh flat and and very very but at the same time very very soft you know the swamp, nothing like that. You know, the swamp is just its nature at its most raw form. And it's it's not safe and it's not flat. <laughs> it's, it's not just, I mean, I'm safe from the elements here. The swamp is all just plain elements. And every once in a while, I do just like to stop and think like, why do I like these kind of things so much? I it's not like I grew up outside a swamp and honestly, I probably wouldn't appreciate and like uh, swamp fiction if I actually lived near swamp reality. Now I did kind of grow up around uh, nature or whatever, you know, like grew up in the middle of the middle of the woods really. And it was always this kind of scary barrier between our well-trimmed, mowed lawn and this muddy wet dark woods that was just untamed so if i'm evaluating like what do i like about this kind of story uh this kind of character this kind of setting um i think it goes back to that maybe uh this kind of primal childhood fear and maybe not even fear. Uh, it's a primal childhood respect 
uh, in a lot of ways. Bottom line is, um, it's it's the it's the fictionalization of this real world thing that's there, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, enough enough of that. Let's let's talk about comics. Let's talk about this episode. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about two comics, and they're both very recent. Um, actually, the one that I'm holding in my hand, I bought today, and I didn't even know it was going to be a thing until yesterday. I completely missed that this was coming. And so I have that, and then I also have something that I've been buying for the last three months. Um, and this is something I did know about because I saw the covers. But anyway, that is uh, Empire, The Avengers. And... I didn't realize what it was until I saw the cover for issue number two. But when I saw that, I knew I was going to be getting it no matter what. So I did. We'll talk about whether I liked it or not. And actually, I was planning to start with uh, the first one I mentioned, which is the Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular. But I think I will probably start with the one that I liked the, the least, and that is the Avengers Empire three issue miniseries. But before we talk about that, I do want to let you know that Swamp Thing, the DC Universe TV series that only lasted one season, is currently being run on the CW. And it's being run on their primetime schedule, and then it's also being streamed on their website. Now, I did not watch it when it aired, and I have not watched the streaming uh, episodes I just I just haven't felt an urgency to return to that show. I'm I'm not a Nielsen family, so if I watch it over the air, they're not going to know that I didn't or that I did. They would know if I streamed it, but I'm I'm really not I'm not going to mess with that. I have the Blu-ray. I I have it right there. It, it's I can see it. I can't reach it quite. I mean, it's about eh, 13, 14 inches away from my fingertips right now as I stretch out past my microphone. Hopefully, not bumping. My microphone. But um, anyway, if you have not seen the show, though, I do recommend if you like this character, which if you're listening to this podcast, it's a distinct possibility that you do. Uh, but if you like this character, the, the 10 episodes that they did make are worth watching. They they were they were good enough. The ending, not great by any stretch of the imagination. And is probably the one reason why I would really not be. uh super excited about recommending, you know, that casual fans of, of just comic book TV shows seek it out. But it was for what it was, it was pretty good and I enjoyed it. And I was disappointed when I came to the ending and it wasn't this great, super amazing ending that they got to write to because they had to cut it short. They were supposed to do three more episodes and they didn't get a chance to. And so the ending that we did get, I've seen better. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, their, their ending, they got to, um, they, they knew we have two more seasons, and when we get done with those two seasons, we are completely done, and so they got to write the ending that they wanted to end on. With that said, if they had gone to 13 episodes, I do wonder if they would have ended with some sort of season finale cliffhanger that would have still left us hanging, uh, uh, and then if there was no second season the same feeling would be there. So I just thought of that. It doesn't make it better, but it, it does make me say, okay, well, when you think about what could have been, what could have been, could have been very close to what we ended up getting. So 
Anyway, that is some Swamp Thing TV show news. But now let's move on to the Man Thing series, Empire, The Avengers, issues one, two, and three. Now, whenever I judge Swamp Monster-based comics, I use three different things that I kind of run my opinion through. One is the creature. One is the cover and one is the content. Now, when I talk about the creature, I mean the creature design. And for characters that are known, like Swamp Thing and Man Thing, the question is, is this creature design a cool variation on the traditional design? Or is it a very good, strict adaptation of the creature design? Or does it look stupid? (laughs) And if it's a creature that's unknown, the question is, how cool is it, you know? The cover, uh, really what I'm asking is, is the cover poster worthy? Is this something that I would be willing to put up on my wall if I had a wall of comic book cover posters? And there are certain times when I will buy a comic book based on just the fact that it's the cover looks so cool. There is that one issue of uh, Haunted, I think is what the, the comic book title was. I had no idea what the story was going to be like, but that cover looked so amazing. And when I saw it in a back issue bin, this is when I, before I really had a good checklist of different uh, anthology horror comics from like the 60s, 70s that had like short stories that actually were Swamp Monsters short stories. I saw this one though, and it's this monster rising up and it's facing you, the reader. And then the the human character has his back to you, the reader, and he's holding a shovel and he is ready to go into battle with this monster that stands in front of him. You can't see his face, but you can feel his determination. I had to get that. I could not risk not finding it again. I had it in my hand and I spent more on it than I normally would, but I had to get it. Turns out the story inside that went along with that cover was fantastic. It was so good, but that's one of those times when I lucked out uh, other times when I buy it based on the cover, you know, that's why they say you can't judge a book by its cover. I am judging books by their covers because that's an important part of the publishing package. And so I am asking the question, would it make a poster that I would like to have on my wall? And then finally, the content is just, is the story engaging fun? Did I like it? That kind of thing. So Empire, the Avengers is, uh, you know, Man-Thing has been kind of absent uh, from Marvel Comics. Uh, There was a while there where he was just all over the place and he was in this series and that series. Or if it wasn't him, it was parts of him that were being grafted onto human beings and (laughs) turning them into something else. And uh, so he was all over the place. Well, and it's been a while. It's been a while. We did have that that uh, Weapon X World War Four story with uh, what they what they call him Manslaughter, which very clever. That whole the whole thing was clever. Wanted more, didn't get more. That's okay. It was cool. This is a tie-in series to the Empire crossover big giant event, and I did not read anything else from that big giant event partially on purpose because I wasn't interested in it. First of all, second of all, I'm thinking, okay, I'm buying this one based on the fact that on issue number two, there's man thing on the cover. Yeah. 
And on the cover of issue number one, it's just Captain America saying Avengers Assemble. And also on the cover, you have in the background images of uh, Black Knight, Vision, Thing, Spider-Man, Scarlet Witch, Storm, Doctor Strange. (laughs) Although his head is cut off by the trade dress. I don't know if the cover was meant to have it like that or if they just shrunk it down a little bit and didn't do it quite right when they trimmed it. There's She-Hulk and Nova. And Captain America is yelling, Avengers assemble. Cover from issue number two, the Avengers Empire is um, Scarlet Witch, Brother Voodoo, Black Knight, and Kazar and Sabu, I think is the name of his uh, saber-toothed tiger, and a pterodactyl and Man-Thing. And they are all in an action pose. And then issue number three has Black Knight fighting against some thorny vines that have really cut him up pretty, pretty badly. Um, uh, the first issue and the third issue, if I'm going to just start with the cover, are, are not the kind of thing that's I'm ever going to put up on any kind of anything. Uh, the s- second issue, it's good. It's a really good cover and it's a really good man thing. Uh, representation um but because of the other heroes uh this is not something i'd really be excited about putting on uh like a a wall a wall of swamp monsters but it's not bad and one of the cool things here and this is going into the history of man thing but also going to going into uh, what is happening here in these issues and that is that man thing uh, he, his first appearances, you know, were in with, with Kazar in Kazar's own book where they took some short stories were meant to be in a magazine and they revamped them and put them into the, the Kazar book. And this is man thing going to the, the savage land and why he's there, how he, I shouldn't say how he gets there. I know why he's there, how he gets there. Not exactly sure, but uh, what's interesting about the these three issues is this really could have been three standalone single issues because once you have Captain America assemble the Avengers and tell them that there's these three places where there's problems, and then they break the Avengers up into three teams and send, let's see, it's, a, it's Vision and Dr. Nemesis meet up with Luke Cage in Manhattan, and they have a problem there with Plant Man, who has actually been turned into a Plant Man. And that's actually a kind of cool conceit, and there's some neat stuff going on there. Then you have uh, Quicksilver and Mockingbird and Wonder Man, and they go on their own mission to Mexico. And rats, I should have read the little uh, preamble thing just to kind of explain what's going on. This is on the the cover page, uh, the title page, rather, of this first issue. It says, The Kree and Skrull Empires have united under Emperor Hulkling, to fight a common enemy, the Celestial Messiah Koi and his plant-like Kotati, who have claimed Earth's moon as their own. But the Kotati want more than justice for the crimes the Kree and Skrulls committed against them. They want to exterminate all animal life, starting with Earth. Can Earth's heroes stop their deadly campaign before the Kree-Skrull alliance decides to sacrifice one world to save the universe? And so these three are kind of sent into battle where the Kotati and the Krees and the Skrulls are fighting. They, they get caught in between. Finally, the third grouping is that that cover image. Uh, Kazar, Scarlet Witch, Black uh, Black Knight, not Black Widow, <laughs> Black Knight and Brother Voodoo. 
and they go to the Savage Land. And in the Savage Land, they are going to fight the Kotati, and it turns out the Kotati have a secret weapon they have taken control of Man-Thing. And so in issue one, okay, so we talked about the covers, now let's talk about the creature. In issue one, there's some really, really cool-looking images of Manny uh, as he's fighting the good guys. You know, he's bursting out of the ground and in this awesome splash page with one of my favorite sound effects, Thoom! And he, right, he bursts out from the ground and starts fighting the good guys and uh, all of the fight stuff that's going on is really, really cool. Now, it turns out that the Kotati also have Shanna, the jungle she-devil, and that's not good. That's not good for anyone. Second issue has a little bit more going on with all those plots that are getting pushed forward. And none of them, none of them are bad, but we're going to stick with Man-Thing here. And because, like I said, the Kotati have control of Man-Thing. But Brother Voodoo has a plan and he actually possesses Man-Thing. And so that's where... Uh, all of Man-Thing's stuff that he's doing is just him getting bounced between bad guy control. It's not even a lot of bouncing. He's under control from the bad guys. Brother Voodoo takes possession of him. And then in issue three, the bad guy's uh, control is broken when Doctor or when Brother Voodoo has to leave him. And then at the end, he ambles off into the Savage Land swamp. There's more to it than that. You know, he uses some plant powers when brother voodoo has control of him but his presence here is really just because he is a plant-based character and I, I i don't think i'll ever read this again other than maybe to flip through that first issue and see some of the cool uh, fight stuff that's going on with with manny but man it's just it's just a little frustrating that there wasn't more going on with him i mean, yeah i get it this is in the a team book and you had three teams. There's limited screen time, so to speak that, you know, to give some of that screen time to a character that really doesn't have a whole lot of his own motivation. Yeah, I get it. I do. Uh, this is not a man thing title, uh, but I was excited to see him and then a little bit disappointed with how he was, with how he was used. So as I said, I don't plan to read this again. It's not the greatest, uh, and I was disappointed with how he was used. So next we have Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular. This is an anthology Halloween special, and there are six stories in here. In fact, let's talk about the cover because it says six tales rooted in terror. And what's actually a little bit nice about this, there are no ads in this book at all. It's 48 pages. You have the front cover, you have the back cover. The back cover is very reminiscent of the advertising that was done for the Swamp Thing TV show. It's all green tone. There's DC with uh, kind of a swampy filter <laughs> put to the, the logo there. There is a hand reaching up from the swamp waters. The hand as it's reaching out of the water has vines on it. The hand reflection in the water does not. And it's just kind of this really cool effect. The uh, DC logo is also reflected in the water, but it has that wavy uh, filter to it. And it's, it's kind of cool. 
And I love what they do with the hand there. And just that there's the swamp hand reaching up, but then there's the human hand that's reflected back. Poster worthy, almost, almost. Inside you have uh, the front inside cover is the title page, which has the titles and the teams for each of the six stories and also the setup for things. The back cover has all of the other uh, credits, the you know publisher, chief creative officer, and uh, global publishing and initiatives, digital strategy, vice president, you know, all those kind of things. And then also the, the copyright information. Both of those take some line art from the front cover and use that uh, in the background as kind of like a watermark. Uh, the cover itself then is so close to being poster worthy. It's so close. In fact, if it wasn't for the uh, the design of the focal point of the cover I would be more inclined to do so but it goes along with the whole idea of what's inside this book because I believe that that uh, the design of the creature on this front cover comes from the sixth story the other ones are all recognizable as different iterations of Swamp Thing including the original Bernie Wrightson Swamp Thing from that original story that from House of Mystery that wasn't canon, so to speak, that, that they, they revamped and, and rebooted for his actual his actual series. Uh, but then there's also the one that's the current uh, Justice League Dark iteration, who is meant to look a little bit like Alan Moore. There's the classic one from most of the stories of Swamp Thing. There's the one from the New 52, especially... Uh, it's just there's there's all sorts of different variations of the Swamp Thing character. And this was something that as I was looking at, it, I was like, oh, this is I don't really like the design of the front guy, the, the main guy. But, oh, there's the, the Bernie Wrightson one. Wait, what's going on here? And then I read the inside front cover throughout history. Folklore seeds have suggested a guardian of the green in other times, other area, other eras and other places as Swamp Thing. In this special tome, different ver different avatars and the ages of the Bayou Beast are explored and revealed, all rooted in darkness but with a hope that springs eternal. And so we get six stories. Now, sometimes these Halloween and Christmas and uh, and spring and Valentine's uh, these different anthologies there's mixed mixed results in these things sometimes they're good sometimes they're not as good but most of them have resulted in some kind of fun different Swamp Thing short stories so I remember the Christmas one a few years back where the the Swamp Thing story was actually um, this kind of weird standalone future where he's visiting people in a space station and that was pretty good um there's been some of the halloween ones in fact there was the the walmart 100 page giant uh swamp thing halloween horror giant number one that one was a lot of fun and it had this new story that was going to kind of push out into the swamp thing 100 page giant series ongoing stuff and then in the back, it had this uh, reprint of the House of Mystery book that, that was really good. And so in between, it had reprints of other horror stories with you know Batman and different characters like that. Usually, they are 
anthologies with different characters, but this one is 48 pages of just Swamp Thing. And so that's why I was very excited that this one was coming out. I mean, the Man Thing stuff, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be a Man Thing comic, and maybe I'm a, being unfair when I judge it for not being a great Man Thing story, but that's why I bought it, and that's why I read it, you know? But this one, all Swamp Thing. Now, what's interesting is that it is essentially six different swamp things and yeah i wasn't sure what to expect from this and so uh it was a linked anthology though so this is where it's not just hey here's six stories but it's six stories that have a linked theme and a linked setup now they're all swamp thing like i said but they're different swamp things through history this book itself could be a standalone thing with its own continuity um it is in essence, a, a standalone book that requires very little knowledge of the character. You do need to know uh, what it means kind of to be an avatar of the green. And so it does help to have a little bit of background with the character. But it's honestly not necessarily required. Uh, like I said, these are six different stories that all feature a different time period and a different swamp thing. And because it's only 48 pages, that means each story is going to be only eight pages. So what does that mean? That means that each of these stories has to set up a time period. Each of these stories is setting up characters. Each of these stories is setting up a story with some form of conflict. And they're all setting up a different variation on swamp thing. And then each one of these stories has to allow for some resolution and that's not easy to do in such a short page count. Now, in this collection, because of just what's what's working against you as a writer in this, the climax is often not about uh, plotty cleverness or big giant punch em ups or, you know, Here's a problem, problem, problem. Page seven. I'm going to use my superpowers. Boom. Problem taken care of. You know, it, it doesn't do that. The climax often is about personal change and often is about struggling with just your world around you. Struggling with, um, well, let's let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. Almost every one of these stories sticks the landing. And I just want to say that every single one of these stories, even if they aren't great literature they're very good comic book storytelling so the first of the six stories takes place in what seems to be modern america and probably or could be the current swamp thing now he doesn't have that alan moore look he has more of that that classic look to him and and he does look good in the art that first story is called at the heart of trees and it's written by Ram V with Mike Perkins as the artist, Andy Troy as a colorist, and Aditya Bidikar as the letterer. And this, this story, like I said, takes place in the Great Dismal Swamp, Virginia. October 31st is the only date we're given, but like I said, it does feel like it's a, it's a modern story and taking place in, in current day. This is a story about a boy lost in the swamp found by a weeping willow who saves his life but never wants to let him go because she's so upset because of all the other different lost children, lost people who have been lost in the swamp. And there's this idea where 
their flesh has rotted and gone, you know, dust to dust and their flesh has gone into the soil beneath her and into her roots. And so she has all of their fear and anxiety with within her. And she doesn't want to let go of this one. She just wants to, you know, this one can live. This one can live. But Swamp Thing intervenes and allows the child to be found. Uh, that was the reason he was intervening, was not to kill the child, but to let the child be found. But then she asks for some stories to comfort her. And so we get four stories for her comfort. This is what links then these stories, uh, is, is you have her asking for stories of former lives, memories that he has of other lifetimes, lifetimes that were not his, but lifetimes that he can remember. And so we get Ring of Stones by Philip Kennedy Johnson, the writer, Dominic Damo Stanton as the artist, and Jeremiah Skipper, the colorist, Dave Sharp, the letterer. This is a story taking place in ancient Rome as they are conquering the Britons. It's a nice, solid story. Uh, the Okay, again, there's actually six creatures to, to judge here. When I say cover creature content, there's six. And the one here has this primal look to him. There's, there's horns. He actually has some stone in his body. And he's just monstrous and kind of gross and just really a neat, neat swamp monster. Now, what happens is he is interrupting the conquest of Britannia by Rome. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but this one, a nice, solid, subtle ending. And I really liked it. Uh, the idea of the paganism of Britain is, is really a big part of this too. And this swamp thing, I like that he has stone in him embedded in him because he is summoned at Stonehenge. So that was kind of cool. The next story is sleeping giant by Vita Ayala, the writer, Emma Rios, the artist, Jordi Belair, the colorist and Ariana Meyer, the letterer. And this one takes place in Puerto Rico, but they call it Borican, or actually they call it the island formerly known as Borican. And this is about another invader. Uh, this invader is coming to Puerto Rico or the, the island formerly known as Borican. Uh, and I'm not sure if this island is just one island that's in that area or if it is the I don't know the history of this. But I do know that this is about someone who's coming and they have a plantation and they are not a good – the guy who has the plantation is not a good person. And a little girl's sister goes missing. And the swamp thing in this one uh, is just this very soft, beautiful creature that yeah, I, I really, really like the creature design on this story as well. This one is the probably the most personal one. Uh, it's about a you know sister who's lost her sister and just wants to find her, and summons the swamp thing, and the swamp thing helps her. The fourth, or sorry, the third story is "No Sign of the Enemy" by Julian Little, the writer, John Timms, the artist, Gabe Eltab as the colorist, and I'm reading it like it's credits. Gabe Eltab as the colorist, and Clayton Cowles as the letterer. Anyway, this one. 
is really interesting because it kind of takes on the idea of the Japanese soldiers who would be lost on an island and then just as they're surviving are living life as if they are still a part of the war. And so this one was lost in the South Pacific in 1945 and then just continues on for year after year, decade after decade. And he goes through his life with what he thinks is a, a spirit that talks to him. That's a plant in a shoe. We know it's Swamp Thing. And part of the way we know that is because his dialogue is in orange dialogue balloons. But another reason is because this is a comic book about Swamp Thing. And the Swamp Thing just keeps trying to get this guy to stop and to go back and to stop fighting. And he just won't trust everything is a trick. So when he gets a leaflet that says the war is over, you can come home. We have a boat waiting for you. He, he believes it's a trick from the enemy. And he even starts believing then that the voice that he's hearing from Swamp Thing is a demon, not a helper. And so, yeah, it doesn't end well. And it's a, it's a really well-written story. I love that the, the idea that they're able to draw on, which really happened, but I've also seen this done. You know, it was done in that one uh, King Kong movie, King Kong or Kong Skull Island. But I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. The creature design only happens on one page, really. And that's also it. It's a cool design. It's absolutely all of these are recognizable as Swamp Thing, but also you know that they are something different. The next story is probably the most different one, which uh, takes place in 1494. And it's about a, a young lad on a ship with a great Spanish explorer or conquistador. And they find an island, one last island to conquer. And the boy is there because he has these romantic ideas of exploration and, and, and seeing things that you've never seen before the conquistador just wants to take things and they come to an island that doesn't have dirt or stone uh, there's no people or or bugs on this island and it's very obvious if you have read comics before or have uh, read fantasy you know before i mean it's very obvious what they are stepping into but sometimes it's not about the mystery for you, the reader. Sometimes it's about the mystery for the characters. And when you are a step ahead of them, sometimes that's not a bad thing to know what they're stepping into because then you're just waiting for them to step into it. The what isn't always as important as the how or, or the why. And again, eight pages. Eight pages to set up this mystery. But when they finally reveal the the creature for this story. It's again, a very cool moment. This is another one where it's about people going into places that they do not belong and trying to take it. And, and really all, all four of these stories that are between the two frame stories, although not exactly a frame story, but close to it. All four of these are, are kind of about that. Uh, they're about uh, colonialism taking land that someone else was already living on taking people from that land. Uh, but anyway, th it was a, 
a, another good sharp story. Now this is called Age of Discovery. James Tinney and the Fourth is the writer. Uh, Christian Ward is Ward is the artist, and Travis Lanham is the letterer. Now James Tinney and Fourth is the writer who was the writer, I should say, on uh, Justice League Dark, and so they it was nice that they allowed him the opportunity to tell a story with that character again. And then we have our final story, which is At the Heart of Man by Ram V. It's the same team as At the Heart of Trees. I expected this to be the second half of the framing sequence. I expected this to be Swamp Thing talking again to the the Weeping Willow, finishing his stories, and we are indeed back in the same swamp. It's Dismal Swamp, that's what they call it. Uh, back to the same character who was lost as a kid, but he is now a full-grown adult. He's a grandfather, actually. And so we are actually in the future. The Weeping Willow Tree is there as well, but we are now witnessing a new Swamp Thing come to life. And so as this new Swamp Thing comes to life, the old man who was the young boy who got lost in the swamp earlier confronts him and just wants to know what is it all about? What is life all about? I've been looking for you everywhere. This guy not only has lived a full life, he actually has gone into space. He was an astronaut. And this is what makes me say, okay, all these stories about going into places where you don't belong. The first one was about a kid getting lost in the swamp. This one's about a guy going up into space and he actually crashed his ship, but uh, he's there on a camping trip with his family. And he wants to know what is it all about? What is it all about? And this swamp thing doesn't know because this swamp thing is just being birthed as a swamp thing. The weeping willow must now comfort the new swamp thing. And I just, I liked this, the way that they used this framing sequence and, uh, it actually, yes, it is a framing sequence in the sense that we are going from one moment with that character to another one with that character and there's some subtle things going on here too with uh, the weeping willow and its relationship to this old man who was once a young boy wrapped in her arms branches whatever and then she comforts the swamp thing the way he comforted her so we are back where we started it's circular it's not linear in the sense that the first one happened and then you come right back to them. But I really like that. And I really enjoyed this comic. I will say this though. I'm not quite sure, you know, what continuity this takes place in. Like I said, it probably just deserves its own continuity because I, I like even within, you know, there's the one story that takes place in 1948. The other one starts in 1945 and then continues on for years and years and years and years. What does that mean? I don't know. Does it mean that there's just these, it's not passing on being Swamp Thing from one to another. There's overlap. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. There's overlap in the time frame of these characters. So you have the Japanese uh, Swamp Thing and you have the Puerto Rican Swamp Thing at the same time. So I don't know. I don't know. But it works in the context of what's in between these two covers and it works in the context of even some of these other short Swamp Thing stories that have been out there for some of these other anthologies. And, you know, it's they're legends. They're legends. 
maybe they don't fit into continuity because maybe they didn't happen. Maybe they're just remnants of memories of things that could have happened. I don't know. I did also want to be very careful about spoilers, though, because I do want people to read this. I like this, and I would like people to read this, and so I didn't want to give away too much. But I did want to let you know what you're getting into. So hopefully you'll enjoy this as much as I did. And so that's that's the podcast. That's the episode. I want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending time with me here in the swamp. I don't know what's coming next here in the swamp, and that's mainly because I don't know what new is coming with man thing and swamp thing or any other characters like that. I did finish reading the plot. And so I'll, I might, might talk about that one next. I'm not, I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, but I also have some collections of old comics and I also have some, um, of those old horror comics that I might be pulling out that have some, some good old swamp monster creature stories in them. I don't know. I don't know. But at some point in the future, We'll come back to the swamp together. And so I want to thank you again for, for walking through the swamp with me. It's, it's scary to walk through the swamp alone. It's dark. And, you know, it's, it's not safe. I do want to throw out there one last thing, though. This is something I uh, had written in my notes, almost forgot. And that is that over at supersonicpodcomics.com. This week, there will be a story that will be a, a an original Swamp Monster story by me, Ben, Ben Havery. Uh, it's a character in a series called House of Heroes. The first three parts of that series are the first three members of that house. The Swamp Monster is the fourth one, and it is a little bit experimental, a little bit fun. I did have a friend, J.S. Uh, Earls, my co-creator on Supersonic Pod Comics, which is a audio drama superhero universe and he he described it as beautiful <laughs> which <laughs> i think it's kind of nice it's kind of cool yeah so anyway that is happening over at supersonicpodcomics.com you can find it anywhere you find podcasts and i'm very excited to see what people think of it i'm also a little nervous to see what people think of it because well it's any creative endeavor that, that you put out there you're nervous about this one is very personal to me, and so I'm, I'm especially nervous about it. Anyway, that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending time with me here in the swamp. And until next time, wherever you go, especially if you're in the swamp, watch your step and Godspeed. <laughs>